if it weren't for immigrants, New York would be a very different place. Yeah. Um, and as the city changes and as the city is gentrifying and as black and brown communities and immigrant communities are the ones being rapidly gentrified um, and we're being displaced and like we can't afford our neighborhoods anymore and we don't feel safe to speak our languages in places where we felt safe speaking our languages. Um, it's a lot. You know? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode here off the cuff where conversations lead to inspiration. I'm your host, Christian Palma, and today I'm joined by filmmaker, founder, and curator of Nueva Yorkinos, a digital archival project documenting New York City Latino and Caribbean culture and their history through family photos and stories. Since the launch of 2019, it has evolved and grown so much, capturing these amazing stories from the people dating all the way up to 1940s. My next guest is not documenting history, but she's creating it. So without further ado, here's Off the Cuff with Jolly Brown Cepada. Jolly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. You know, um, you are doing some phenomenal things. You know, first and foremost, when I first fell into the, the essence of what you were doing at, with Nueva Yorkinos, I was immediately inspired. You know, from documenting these images and stories, it takes you back into a moment. For you, where does this all originated from? Like, can you take us back to that moment when Nueva Yorkinos kind of all started? Yeah, so I was in Dominican Republic with my family visiting uh, for a vacation. And it was 2019, it was February, and it was around the release of a show that was supposed to be very popular because mm. it was supposed to um, dispel certain narratives of like Afro Latinidad and be, you know, imaginative and like it's new um, creations and new narratives. And so we were really excited. Uh, we meaning like Afro Latino people. Yeah. And um, in my opinion, when I watched the show, um, it didn't do anything but perpetuate really whack narratives. Mm. And um you know, just perpetuate the stereotype. And like, we don't need any more of that media. For sure. So I was a little frustrated. Um, I watched the whole show, uh, the first season. And to like, you know, not be so annoyed going to bed, I picked up my phone, scrolling mm -hmm. through Instagram, you know, like, like we, we do. We all do, yeah. To like wind we do, down, right? to how wind do you, down yeah. weird, I know. Right, it's like backwards. It's it like is. how you wind down watching content that might keep you up. Exactly, like dumb. <laughs> So um, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. And at this point, I'm already out of college for a couple of years, but I, um, but my Instagram like explore feed and just like the things that I was consuming, the media I was consuming, uh, there were a few archives in there because I mm. took an archival course in college and my professor for that course was incredible. And so, you know, these things kind of always stay in like your head somewhere in uh, your memory. Yeah. And so um, I was looking for Latino representation and I found this incredible, incredible archive based in LA in Southern California called Veteranas and Rucas. Mm -hmm. And it's all about women, women from back in the day, Latina women from Los Angeles, Southern California region. And, you know, I always say just like blackness and just like anything, Latinidad mm -hmm. is not monolithic. There's mm -hmm. no one way to be Latina, there's no one look, there's no one language, okay. you know? And so while I loved her work, I could only relate, but so mm -hmm. much because I'm not yeah. from the West Coast, I'm not Central American, 
um, I'm Caribbean from New York, you right, know, right. <laughs> um, like that's very <laughs> different. There's a swag to that. Yeah. But also like, it's just different. Yeah, like I, is. like I grew up with seasons, right? you know, um, that's like a big thing for a lot of people who end up migrating or immigrating to New York from warmer climates, mm -hmm. LA, California, Southern California, you know, it's warmer. Right. Yeah. So it's, so little things like this. And I said to myself, wow, like this work is sick. Where is this for New York? And I was looking. I didn't come across it. Um, and so... And you were still looking at Instagram? I was looking on Instagram, okay. yeah. Um, and then I was like, you know what? Like, girl, like, do do it. And so I, you know, that little part of Instagram where, like, your icon is, you can, like, click it. And, like, the bottom, you click it and you can add an account yes. or log into an existing account. Right. And so I typed in Nueva Yorkinos. The name came to me. And it was, it was available. Wow. And I told my parents when they woke up, I was like, guys, I had an idea. This thing. What? This thing is so sick. And what did they say? What was their reaction? My mom was like, oh my God, buy the domain right now. Really? Yes. And you bought it? I bought it. And what was that, everybody else's reaction? Because it's crazy. It's, <laughs> for me, it's just like, you know, uh, we were just shooting in LA a couple months ago, uh, or last month. And a lot of them had shared many of these pivotal moments that really told that almost like them saying, Take the leap, mm -hmm. go after it. And this is something very similar to what you had experienced and stuff, but it's crazy. Like, what do you feel like kind of what was there for you in order for you to like just the light went off and you created such a beautiful platform? I don't know. I think it's a few things, you know. Um, a just like doing it, like just saying, Oh, like this is a really cool idea, and not waiting for someone to like give me the green light. Like, mm. just do it, you know. Um no pun intended, you yeah. know, but like I just did it. <laughs> right. Um, but then like the way that I kept on evolving, but like immediately. So mm. I'm in ZR, I come back, I go back to work and I met up with my colleague or I spoke to him, my colleague now, my partner in mm. life and yeah. in love and in Nueva Yorkinos. Wow. And um, full circle moments. Full circle moments. So I go up to him and uh, he's Colombian. He was raised in, in Brooklyn. And I ran the idea by him because to me, um, it was important to kind of have like a soundboard, you know, mm -hmm. for my idea, who wasn't my mom and wasn't my family. Your main support system. You yeah. know, um, and I was like, this is my idea, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? He was like, this is really cool. He's a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And so amongst many things. And so at the time in the office, we had the tools, we had the technology, we had the time. And I was like, would you be down to make the logo for, for us, for me? Because mm -hmm. at that point it was... It was for me. Yeah. And I gave him my ideas and he executed it like beautifully. And it's still the logo that, that we're using today. And so after I do that, I'm sharing with friends the page and it's growing and people mm -hmm. are sharing their stories. And from the jump, like they're not just like, you know, New York is great. I love being here. But it's like my mother came from here. Yeah. We went through this. We went through that. And people already immediately felt so vulnerable. And so... From where it was three years ago to where it is today, we do installations, we work with different organizations, we have a weekly Latin night party at the mm -hmm. bar where my partner bartends at. So now it, it's a community. Yeah. So it went, so like that's still, like I think I'm still in the God moment because it's like every day there's something, yeah. um, whether it's an opportunity or whether it's just like an account from someone's life that they've shared. It's, um, it still feels so surreal, mm. um, but it feels so beautiful. At, you know, like it's yeah. such a beautiful thing. Like 
I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, and and I love how much pride you take into it because it's something that, you know, I see the work that goes into it, but when I fell into platform, I scrolled a thousand posts below to make sure I wanted to see where you started from, right? And February 14, 2019, you have this image of your mom. Mm -hmm. You know, can you share the bigger story of this image here? And how did you get the other stories to fall right afterwards? So the first image is my mom, like you said, and that was kind of like a twofold thing, you know, A, it's easy Mm because it's my mother. Um, and I happen to love that photo of her. And for those who haven't seen the photo, it's her sitting on her best friend's stairs to her apartment. Um, and she's like 16 at this point. And my mother, you know, like many women in general, like many black and brown women specifically, like many immigrant women, first gen women, um, she went through a lot growing up. And so she didn't write too much for that photo. But what she wrote in a nutshell was, you know, um, this is me sitting on my friend's stairs. I'm so blessed to have had her parents because they didn't know, but their home was like a sanctuary for me Mm -hmm. because her home wasn't. And so even though that's my mother's story, that's also so many people's stories. Um, And so people resonated with that. And I shared it on my page, on my, you know, like like my personal page, um, on my stories. Hey, y'all, I'm doing this thing. On my um, page, page on my feed. Hey, y'all! I'm doing this thing. Um, this is my mother. You know, like it started with my mother. If you're a Caribbean Latino from New York, um, send in your photos. And immediately, like I thought about it, mm-hmm. and it really just started to grow from like word of mouth to like it's organic. Like, yeah. And they say that's the best marketing too. Exactly. And like I've had people ask me or ask us, like, "What's your strategy?" It's like we don't have one. Mm-hmm. There's no strategy. Sometimes we receive like a hundred submissions in a month. Other times we receive 30 submissions in a month. We are here. We'll always be here. We're not here to um, solicit stories. Mm -hmm. We're here when people feel comfortable sharing their stories. And so there's no, like, there's no strategy, like the strategy and it may sound corny, but the strategy is love. Like we lead with love. And I think that because people see that it's reciprocated, you know? Yeah. You can definitely see how the labor of love has evolved throughout the years because it has grown so many, got you into many spaces Mm -hmm. where it brings you back to times. Cause I even think about, you know, some of the stories that I inherit through conversations through my parents and stuff who migrated about 20 something years ago, mm-hmm. it, it literally brought me into a space where I'm like, they also went through so much. Mm-hmm. And I almost felt like even crying sometimes because I'm like, I can only imagine what you went through that I'm now also in a space where I have to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure that your, your sacrifices don't go in vain, you know? But I'm curious to know for you in the aspect of evolving these stories and sharing them on your platform, why is it so important to share these plat- uh, these stories but what do you hope people get when looking at some of these stories on your platform? Well, to me, it's important because, I mean, there's so many reasons. Uh, one, immigrants are incredibly crucial. They are the heartbeat of this society. Um, if it weren't for immigrants, New York would be a very different place. Yeah. Um, and as the city changes and as the city is gentrifying and as Black and brown communities and immigrant communities are the ones being rapidly gentrified um, and we're being displaced and like we can't afford our neighborhoods anymore 
and we don't feel safe to speak our languages in places where we felt safe speaking our languages. Um, it's a lot, you mm. know? And, and so centering people who are overlooked, forgotten, silenced, um, not thought about, being able to amplify these stories because we don't write stories. We'll only write stuff if there's a particular, you know, day that's important in New York City history. Or sometimes we've written uh, little bios on mm. important figures from the community. Um, but aside from that, people are telling their own stories. Yeah. And as the city changes, you know, black and brown and immigrant New York is everything. And as our city starts to like not reflect that and we start to get pushed out, this is our way of saying, of like planting our flag and saying, nah, we've been here. We are here. Yeah. We will continue to be here. And so when people come across the page, that's why we utilize like the geotag, you know, feature yeah. where you have a location. Because for instance, um, a Caribbean family is submitting a story taken or submitting a photo, submitting a story with photos taken in Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. The south side of Williamsburg, Los Sures is what it's called by uh, the people. Used to be very heavily Puerto Rican, Dominican. The north side of Williamsburg used to be Italian. So... It's an immigrant area. No one would know that mm. anymore. And so when you see, when you type in Williamsburg on Instagram yeah. and you see like five photos of like some artisanal coffee mm -hmm. and like some $40 candle or whatever, and like, you know, the other just Williamsburg right. things, then you also see images from back in the day. And so we hope that by doing that, you know, people are able to learn um, for folks who are not part of our of the community, we hope people can learn and people can be better neighbors and people can be more thoughtful because I don't believe that everyone who is who acts um in these ways, you know, like like I don't believe that every gentrifier is like trying to intentionally be exclusive. I just mm -hmm. think that people don't know and that there's a, you know, obviously it's uh it makes things harder when you know and when you have like knowledge of how, you know, something that you're part of could be so harmful. But I hope that people who, you know, are not part of this community learn. I hope that people who are part of this community feel seen. And I hope that through any um, way, shape, or form that this project continues to evolve, that people always feel seen and that that never, you know, like that never dies out. Yeah. And I love that so much because you do a, such a great way of making it so inclusive because you said to the language and... You know, not only are you putting geotags, but you're also putting them in languages that we're also able to comprehend, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's English, now it's Spanish and Portuguese, mm -hmm. you say, because you want to welcome in the Brazil community as well. Absolutely. They're and part of Latin America. Exactly. You know, and you were talk, uh, you were also speaking about in, you know, other conversations as I was doing some homework uh, that you want to also incorporate Creole. I would love to learn Creole. I don't know how to speak it. Um, my stepfather is Haitian. Mm -hmm. He wasn't taught. I don't know it. And also on Instagram, like, I hope people have, you know, have grace because like, there's only but so much that we can put Text, into a caption. Yeah. And sometimes people write a lot, but I would love to be able to find a way to translate all of these stories to every language, with, you know, that's spoken within Latin America and the Caribbean, because like, why not? Yeah. You, you know, know? And, and that's the thing though, too, because even going back to some of the earlier days for me, you know, it was something that I always thought twice about. I was almost felt like, you know, moments of embarrassment, right? Mm -hmm. Of not being able to speak your own language. And I remember, you know, many times I would have to translate from my mom, but like 
dog, let's keep it low key. Let me mm-hmm. keep it down low. Let me whisper in your ear, kind of what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And it was almost a form of like self doubt, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, you know, through the highs and through cultures, and you know, embracing art, music, family time, and all these things, there also comes a side of like self doubt, mm-hmm. right? And I think I want to lean on that a little bit more because uh, I. I felt some of these moments for myself, Mm -hmm. but I started to flip the switch as I started to grow and evolve to say, you know what? That's not self-doubt. That's actually my gift, Mm -hmm. you know? And this is why I created a platform like this to understand and learn and use language as a way to form and connect with people, but also to capture their stories as well. But I'm curious to know a little bit more about your side of the story. Have you ever had self like moments of self-doubt where you thought that there were self-doubt, but in reality there were gifts? Hmm. I have to think. Because if they were moments, which I'm sure there were, they weren't so pivotal because mm. I have, and I always say this, I had the privilege of growing up in a household that was very um, inclusive, very welcoming, very um, pro-Black. Pro-Indigenous, pro-immigrant, pro-New Yorker. Um, I grew up, you know, always being told, like, don't feel ashamed of your hair Mm. or don't feel ashamed of your complexion. Don't feel ashamed of your features. Like, that's your power and that's your beauty and that's your ancestors. Mm. And so from a young age, um, I was very, 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 very connected to the idea of and the reality of, in in my belief, uh, ancestors and you know, them truly guiding you and the fact that, yes, we are here existing now, but we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for a network of thousands of people existing. Very true. And so um, that's always been the thing in the back of my head that mm. I always, you know, I'm like, girl, do it for the ancestors. <laughs> and so any self-doubt, I mean, you know, you go through like your little things and um, for me in high school, like high school was a little hard for me, but not as an adult. And I'm very very privileged to be able to say that but i do feel that that's because there's like some work that's i've been doing over my life that i'm trying to heal for the ancestors and then heal for the next generations you know is there a particular hidden gem for you or a moment or a memory that brings you back that makes you just feel my grandfather's photos um used to be a singer and so i love coming across his photos and you know uh like, I remember once there was a photo with him, the first time I saw it with like a mask, like half, like Phantom of the Opera. Mm. And I was like, Papa, like, ¿qué tú estás haciendo? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? He was like, oh, like, you know, back in my day, my name was el cantante enmascarado, <laughs> like the masked singer. Wow. Um, and like, just learning these things, then why? And then you learn more. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's crazy that you share that because my grandmother used to say the same thing, you know. And it, this is kind of a loving testimony of me keeping her legacy alive. Because mm-hmm. when, you know, she unfortunately had passed, it's something that I want to say, you know what? What if my grandma knew English? How much further could she have gone? Mm-hmm. Right? She was a community leader, open door policy and all of that. But one thing she always used to do is share stories with me. Mm-hmm. And that's where this originated from, right? Because I used to sit on her red velvet couch. We would go through hours of just asking the question of mm-hmm. why, like, tell me more and all this. And her stories were so vividly, you know, very similar to what you were saying about like the the whole vibe. It bring you back to the space where I felt like I was walking with her, mm. 
every step of the way of like her just taking me on her journey, you know? And that to me is just all these full circle moments that you were able to share with that. So I just wanted to share that piece to you and stuff to kind of drive it home. Thank you. No, I mean, grandparents. They have a form of just really capturing the essence. And yeah. It, it, it's really like, yo, they are the true authors there. Oh, they are. And I'm so grateful and I'm so privileged and I'm so lucky that my grandparents on both sides, my grandparents on my mom's side, my, my grandmother on my dad's side, because my grandfather passed when I was younger. Mm. Um, I'm so lucky. Sorry that, to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm so lucky that I had such a, and I have such a close relationship with them. And I do think that folks who are raised by their grandparents are a little different. Yeah. I Yo, do. I do think that's that. That's why we're here But in right like now. the most special way. For sure. And, <laughs> and that's exactly why we're here now, you know. And I think, you know, for you, I, I, there's so many things that you have evolved and have done. But one of the things that really captured my attention is about representation for you. You know, and I'm not sure if people really know much more about this, but, you know, you were part of a model agency at one point, mm -hmm. you know, and beauty and showing up and representation and making sure that you were seen. How significant was those memories for you um, And now that you look back? Once upon a time, I was signed to an agency, um, but I was within like one division or one department of that particular agency. And so I didn't really um, do too, too much. Um Recently, though, I've been able to get like bigger campaigns, which is cool, but it's always a byproduct of like my Vallequinos. Like, mm. that's my thing. Like, back, like, once upon a time, it used to just be, oh, we want this brown girl to be like checking in our, a box, like yeah. checking a box. Um, which, and like, no, that's why I stopped. And then, um, now, now, um, the only stuff that I do is or are things where I'm able to be seen because of Nueva Yorkinos or, mm. or my partner and I are able to do whatever shoot because of the work that we're doing for the community. Um, and, you know, I don't know, like right now my hair is straight, um, but like my hair is curly. Yeah. And, you know, I always whenever I do a shoot or most times I, that I do shoots, um, I always want my hair to be curly mm. and I always like make that known and um you know, like I love when I have an event and I need to put on some makeup, yeah. but also in a lot of shoots, I don't have like a big, like I don't have a whole face on because I don't really, you know, do that yeah. in my daily life. But I also want people to see like, it's okay. Like, like you don't got to have a beat face. Mm -hmm. Like, like we love a beat face. <laughs> like I love a beat face, but you don't right. need, you know, like, right. like you, that, that's, um, that's not the prerequisite mm -hmm. for beauty. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I love that. You know, and that for me, it's it's something that, you know, over time, it doesn't happen overnight of learning all these principles and stuff of, mm -hmm. you know, being confident and, and, and showing up as your true authentic self. But I'm curious to know from your aspect, you know, what kind of how did you overcome some of these struggles or these obstacles to really build that confidence to show up as your true authentic self without anybody saying, telling you any different? The New York City public school system mm. um, and being bullied. Really? Yes. Oof, if I wasn't bullied, I don't think, um, and this may be controversial, but I'm not talking about others. I'm talking about my life and my mm -hmm. experience because that's all I can talk about. Yeah. Um, I was bullied my sophomore year of high school and it was terrible wow. and I hated life. I hated everything. It was just like, it was really, it was a dark moment. Um, and I was like, you know, do I need to be here? Like that kind of thing. Like mm. thinking that. 
But then I literally thought of my ancestors and I thought of my grandfather. Mm. And I was like, girl, if you do something to yourself, you're going to kill your grandfather. Mm. And you can't do that. My grandfather is a love of my life. Like, I am obsessed with this man. And I thought about him. And I thought about he has heart issues. And so, like, it literally, like, I wasn't being dramatic in mm. my head. My little teenage self was like, no, like, you could really cause something to happen to your grandfather. And then I thought of Ana Kaona. And Ana Kaona was one of the, the two female uh, caciques or chiefs of the Taino Empire. Mm -hmm. She lived and ruled over a, a part of Dominican Republic, Haiti. Um, and Ana Kaona, long story short, Spaniards come, give us your land. Mm -hmm. No, you can survive and be our concubine or you die with your men, with your soldiers. And she died. Mm. She, she refused to live her life in bondage. And so I learned about her story very, very early. And I remember learning about her story because I read a book that was like written from her perspective. It was a kid's book. Oh, wow. It was incredible. And it made me cry so much because I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to this woman. And even though I'm not directly related to Nakaona, yeah. I'm related to her. Like that's my island. The islands of Kiskeya, of mm. Haiti, like that's in my blood. Like her power runs through my veins, mm. you know? And I come from an activist family and like my great grandmother was an activist and she passed away last year, but I had the privilege of knowing her and learning about things that she's been through and her struggles and her obstacles. And like she was a teenager fighting against the dictatorship in the Dominican Republic. Mm. My mother, my paternal grandmother, everyone like, They've been through a lot um, in their personal lives. They've been through a lot in, in the fight for justice. And so I was like, you know, I got over my like, woe is me phase. And I was like, no one who's like, who doesn't matter is going to make you like not be here anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like no one is going to make you feel so bad about yourself that you're going to take yourself out. Like, yeah. hell no, absolutely not. Like, we're not doing that. Right. But I came to that by myself. Because I was terrified to tell my mother that mm. I was being bullied. Because mommy would have found. She don't play. I, mommy don't play. <laughs> she would have like been like, okay, so so where's the mother? Mm. You know? And like, I'm such a, like, I don't always choose war. I choose war when it's necessary. But mm. I'm a very, like, I'm yeah, a peaceful, peaceful girl, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I don't want to start a problem. Yeah. Um, you know? And so being bullied, it really changed my character for, for the good. Um. And I, you know, I'm not grateful that I went through that because it was really hard, but I'm grateful that I climbed out of that. You know, and that's, I appreciate you sharing that first and foremost, you know, but it's in moments like that, I feel like even moments when I think about certain like memories or trauma or something, it's so hard to remove yourself from mm -hmm. that situation. You know, and there might be certain people watching today or listeners that are might feel that they can't take themselves out of a certain situation. Mm -hmm. Are you able to share a little bit more advice of what you did that took you out of that situation? So I'm going to steal a word from my mother that she uses all the time. She's really big on locating yourself. Mm. And I like to, I would like to encourage others to start that practice of locating yourself. What does that mean? I'm a black woman. I'm a Dominican woman. I'm a Caribbean woman. I'm a New Yorker. Societally, 
not much privilege there. Mm -hmm. I'm from not the best zip code, you know. I went to uh, right. public school. I didn't go to, you know, an Ivy League. Okay. But what are my uh, like? What are my privileges? What um, do I have in my life that my parents didn't have? My grandparents didn't have. My great grandparents didn't have. What am I taking for granted? What is the situation that's causing me so much pain right now? Okay, being bullied, right? It was my thing. All right. This feels like the end of the world for me because high school, when you're in high school, that's your only world. Your yeah. world is high school. That felt like the end. When I was ostracized, when I was kicked out of my little communities, mm. when I was like not eating or eating in teachers' classrooms because I was terrified to go to the cafeteria. Dealing with all that stuff, I just had to take a step back and say to myself, okay, but as a black woman, Dominican woman, Caribbean, blah, 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 right? As all these things, that means that like my people have been existing. Mm. I am not here because someone, because all my ancestors were like, oh my God, this is hard. Like, I'm just gonna like, Kick the bucket, you know? Yeah. And I don't mean to be crude about that, but I'm also from New York, you know? And my ancestors and so many of our ancestors have been through things that we can't even imagine. Yeah. So a boss that's driving you crazy or some guy that you can't stop, you know, hitting up or a friend who's not really there for you or whatever, you know, or a bully, these things may feel so deep. But when you look at the grand scheme of not just history and not just the grand scheme of things, but when you look at your life and you look at and think about the fact that you come from thousands of people, mm. like we don't have to worry about certain plagues and certain illnesses that were wiping out our people. Mm. As a black Caribbean indigenous woman, you know, um, once the colonizer comes, guns, germs, steel, so many people are wiped out, right? But then here we are today. And we are here because we are the manifestation of willpower that people put in play generations ago, not knowing what it would be. And we are that. And we are the dreams actualized. And I feel like we owe it to our line. Like we owe it to our ancestors. We mm. owe it to our lineage to fight a little harder yeah. and stand a little taller and speak up a bit more. And, but also, treat ourselves with ease, practice gentleness. Like, mm -hmm. I think that we, we deserve that. We don't always need to be in conflict. We don't always, with ourselves, with the world, you know, like, take a step back. That, that's my thing. Like, I would tell people, take a step back and locate yourself. That's beautiful. And that, that provides so much clarity and picture, you know, for, for the greater good that can be done at the moment, you know. But you mentioned a lot of things, right? Coming from a strong history and mm -hmm. historians and, you know, activists in your family. Did you ever feel like you had to, you had a lot of pressure on your shoulders to continue to pave the way or keep the light or the, keep the torch? Did you ever feel like that? Yes and no. Um, no, in the sense of like growing up, my family was always like, you can be whatever you want. If you want to be a veterinarian, an astronaut, like they were really big on that. Um, but That's I just dope. chose I that, yeah. to do like film. But I went through like phases in school where I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be a fashion designer. Yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna be a figure skater. Yeah, I'm gonna be a gymnast. Like ra like random, yeah. but like I wanna be a chef. 
Mm. But I'm so grateful I had that space to explore that. You Use know? your imagination. Use yeah. my imagination. But then, yes, in the sense of like, I come from some like real, I come from some people, you know? Yeah, and like, for sure. And um, I realized like one thing, activism, right? Like activism, I've learned as I've gotten older that it looks so many ways. When I was younger, I thought activism looked one way. Mm. I thought activism meant because of all of my privileges that I have, I need to go out every single day and put my body on the line every single day. And it became unsustainable. I became very unhealthy. I dealt with like a lot of racism. I had like, it was, it was, it wasn't a good, like I wasn't, I was fighting for the same things I'm fighting for today, but mm. in a way that, um, again, it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't, um, it was coming from a place of anger and frustration. Now I feel like I've been able to transition and to channel that and lead with love. And now it's sustainable. But um, my turning point with that and with that torch that I was carrying that I kindly gave back to my, you know, to my yeah. family, um, it was Trump's election. We were protesting. And on the corner of like 20, like 8th, no, 20, like, no, 23rd and like Broadway, um, a man spat at me and it landed in my hair. Whoa. And that's like a really big deal because it's yeah. my hair and your hair is your crown and my hair is my everything. Mm. And that's my ancestors and that's my identity. And I'm a black woman and I'm a woman and I'm a Latina and I'm a Caribeña and I'm a Quisqueyana and I'm... At that point, I was, you know, younger. Like it was just, it, it, it felt so, like the ultimate violation, you know. Um, and then that same night, I was met with so much racism and just so much. It was just so mean. Um, people were so mean that day, and it felt like it could have resulted in violence. Mm. And so when I came back home, so my parents, they were like, you know, okay, like how are you feeling? And I was like, honestly, like I don't want to do this anymore, and. It wasn't about giving up. It was just about rechanneling re that energy and re mm -hmm. uh, redirecting it in a way that made sense for me. Mm. God bless everyone who is on the front lines, who, who go to every rally, who organize, who've done this for decades. Like, I pray that they remain safe. I pray that they are able to, you know, manifest everything that they are fighting for. Um, and I will always go out and march. Yeah. But it was just the capacity and like the way that I was doing it before wasn't very safe. Um, yeah, I don't know how I got there, but it no. made sense. No, it for oh, sure. carrying the torch. Yes, carrying the torch. It, it for <laughs> sure made sense, you know. And that to me is such a beautiful story because it captures the essence of like how you said you were rechanneling the energy into mm -hmm. what you're doing now, right? And I want to lean a lot more into what you're doing now because mm -hmm. oftentimes we see the thousands of posts, we see the collaborations, we see the things, but what happens behind the scenes that we don't see? You know, yeah. are there moments <laughs> that you want to give up? You know, when you're 3 a.m.s, like you had a you know epiphany back in DR when you first started mm -hmm. this, but what happens behind the scenes as you're creating and evolving whatever your keynotes to what it is today? So um, every time I receive a submission, I run to my man. I'm like, oh, my God, Bobby, like we got a new submission. Oh my God. <laughs> like, and um, I get really excited. That's like, fire. Still, every single submission, like 
I am not lying. We could call him right now. Yeah. Like every submission that we receive, I show him and I get so hyped because I'm the one who's like managing the Instagram. Okay. Um, and then together, anything graphic, he does. Event planning, both of us more so him. So it's a it's a great balance. Yeah. But you know, the like everyday thing, I'm like behind that. Um, you know, it looks like sorting through DMs and emails. Um we are very aware that there are a lot of Caribbean submissions because New York City has a historical, a historically large rather Caribbean community. Yeah. So we're, you know, mindful of, oh, you know, uh, the last three posts were Puerto Rican. Um, we're, we're from Puerto Rican New Yorkers. Let's try to, you know, find one that we haven't posted yet from Colombian New Yorkers mm -hmm. or from Salvadoran New Yorkers or from lo que sea. Um, Today, we posted one that was from a woman from Queens who is Egyptian, Colombian, and Ecuadorian. Yeah, so that's you know? And so sometimes people think that it's only for Caribbean New York. Like, it's never been that. Mm. I've never promoted that. That's something that people have just- Try to box you in. Try to box that. me in. But like, no one has ever said that. If you just take the time and you go through the page, you will see there are folks from different countries. But again- it's a submission process. Yeah. So it's up to folks to, to, to so submit, submit yeah. you know? Um, then it looks like me, like I turn off the, the notifications cause I can't have my phone buzzing that much. Like I don't, I don't like, I have such a weird relationship with technology. Mm -hmm. My man makes fun of me all the time. He says, I'm like such a little like old lady. <laughs> cause like, I get that like we need it, but I also tr am trying so hard to like approach it and use it in the most minimal way possible. Um, but it's very, you know, like behind the scenes, um, I'm, I try as hard as I can to like respond to folks um, through DM. Uh, then when it comes to the parties, oh my goodness, every time that we have those, my partner, you know, creates, sometimes he like creates um, specific cocktails for these parties, which takes time, um, creating the playlist, setting it up. Yeah. Um, it's like every like again like never you know exists in different ways so like the back end looks different whether it's like the ig or a party or an installation or you know and, and it all comes from a labor of love yeah you know and that's kind of how we we sum it up there you know but in the last couple of questions here mm -hmm. uh what are some of the things that you're looking to manifest for nueva york uh nueva yorkinos um i would love to have this project like exist in all the ways that it can not just on instagram um we're very aware that instagram has so many limitations obviously um and you know the elders are very important mm -hmm. and we want to be able to not only have a page and a project that's digital but you know to have a project that's tangible and one day people can i don't know go somewhere and like learn about this work you know um we we would love for that to happen we would love to have like a location where there's everything from language classes to community town halls mm. to, you know, holiday celebrations, but where people can also come in with their photo albums and like we can scan it there, you know, like yeah. there's so much and print for them or people who come in with like digital files, we could do that. Like there's so much that, that we want to do, but we're really big on 
letting the process happen in the way it's supposed to happen, yeah. not rushing the process. And also, we're very big on, you know, keeping certain things closer mm. until they manifest because there's lots of hateration, holleration in the dancery of New York. You yeah, know? I, so. <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. You know, I definitely agree on that note. You know, but I definitely wanted to take this time. You know, we do something on the show where we give people their flowers. And I want to give you your flowers for the numerous <laughs> things that you continue to do on the ground, behind the scenes for yourself. And I think it's a, important for us to really see how you have evolved. And through this conversation, what I've been feeling from the energy, from the stories, you know, it's important for me to see that sometimes you should give yourself some grace, you know, and I think you do that so well from being so at ease. And I just wanted to share that with you and give you the time to say, you know, I give you your flowers. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm like the worst at like receiving any sort of. Really? Play. I'm like. <laughs> does it make you feel uncomfortable or something? It doesn't. It's just like I, every, like other people deserve it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like. But sometimes I'm you like... gotta, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But today you deserve them. Thank you. You know, and we do Thanks. this thing on the show that we always flip it to the guests, you know, mm. and ask, who would you give your flowers to? Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. There's so many people in my life who, who deserve flowers. Oh my goodness. From, I mean, my grandmothers, both of them deserve their flowers. I'm just going to name people because I'm going to take up too much time if I'm like, why? Um, my, my family, every single person in my family deserves their flowers. My father deserves his flowers for being a business owner and for almost a decade. And then his business closed uh, because of COVID mm. this year. And the way that he has handled this and the way that he has evolved and he's evolving um, it's beautiful to watch him grow. And so I want to give him his flowers. Um, I always give my, fl give flowers. Um, and I want to give flowers to my partner, mm -hmm. um, because without him, this project wouldn't be what it is. Um, it's much more than just the Instagram. It's a community that we're building and he is so important in this community. Um, and just the fact that from the jump, from day one, he loved this as much as I loved it. Mm -hmm. And now we love each other so much. It's just, um, it's just beautiful. And it's God sent. Um, I want to give my flowers. I want to give flowers to all of the beautiful, brilliant, talented black and brown women who are doing their thing right now, mm. whether it is through journalism, whether it's through photography, whether it's through music, um, acting. There's so many strides that are being made by my people. And when I say my people, I mean just like black, brown, everyone, everywhere, all the time, my people. Um, rooting always for them. Um, I want to give flowers to the people who are still coping with losing their loved ones from COVID, um, but who still show up every day to their lives and show up every day being the best versions of themselves they can be. I want to give flowers to all of the migrants who are here now in New York City and have been so awfully treated as political pawns as we approach the midterms, mm. they deserve their flowers for being some of the bravest people ever. Um, every, uh, essential workers, the MTA workers, people who, are, who work in grocery stores, 
all the viejos who are still bagging groceries deserve mm. their flowers. Um, and the folks who, I mean, everyone deserves flowers, but also folks who, um, who come from, you know, small mom and pop shops who have been able to maintain their shops throughout COVID plus gentrification, yeah. giving them their flowers. And also those who've had to adjust to a reality where their 50 year long businesses are no longer there anymore. I give them their flowers because no one else is doing that. Mm. Um, and obviously the city that small businesses help like create, you know, don't appreciate these business owners. Um, I give flowers to children, to all the children who are on the receiving end of their parents and their networks um, mm. aggression. I give flowers to everyone who is sleeping outside today. Mm. I give flowers to the girl in the hood that has all the dreams um, and people keep on shutting the door in her face because mm -hmm. of what she looks like or how she sounds or what her name is, but she keeps on going. I give flowers to um, all black and brown men in prison who have been wrongfully incarcerated and those who are in jail for weed while rich white men profit off of this industry, this mm -hmm. budding industry. I give flowers to everybody. I give flowers to women and children in shelters mm -hmm. dealing with that. Um, everyone crossing guards, they deserve their flowers. They are beautiful people. They're volunteers. Um, yeah, I could go on. Yo, you are amazing. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> For real, like you just gave us a whole list. And you know the beauty about what you just said? It all came from a place of love. It wasn't scripted. Yeah. <laughs> it was all organic. It was something that you think about. Because I always say that, you know, no matter how far in life you go, no matter what your status is, where your titles are, don't forget the people that have helped you along the way. Absolutely. You know, from, like you said, from the person that's bagging the groceries. It's, it's how you treat people at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, and as you put good in the world, good comes back to you. Absolutely. And one and one more group of people who people never talk about. I want to give flowers to sex workers because that work is very hard and that's mm. very dangerous. And I hope that they are safe and I pray for their safety from, you know, dancers to um, sugar babies. I give them flowers because that work um, is work that in my community, um, a lot of people end up having to engage in. Because of, I mean, so many. There's yeah. so many reasons. Um, but that's work. Mm. And I give them their flowers for being some of the toughest people I've met in my life. Mm. And on the contrary, or conversely, I give flowers to all the dudes hugging the block. Because they matter. Mm. They're, very, they're very important. Black and brown men, important. Society will tell you otherwise, but I give them their flowers because... They are pillars of their community yeah. as well. Yeah. So. You know, I definitely agree with you 100%. You know, and everything you said to me, like, that's the beauty of this platform, right? Where we have a safe space where we're able to really dive into these stories, but also take the time to give people their flowers as well, you know? And I just wanted to say thank you so much just for being able to share that. And thank you. it was literally an all labor of love. And that, to me, it was just a phenomenal thing to see. Thank you. I try. I mean, I try. I literally could talk about people who matter and like 
all these, you know, just. I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> the book, <laughs> the tell-all. You know, but no. <laughs> uh, on the flip side, we definitely have another segment to the yes. show. And this is kind of the way we close out. But yes. this is what we call the hidden gems. It's a variety of questions here. What I'm going to do is just shake it up. Cool. You pick a question, read it out loud, and see what we hear, what comes off the cuff. Okay, let's cool. do it. Perfect. Let me just shake that out. Perfect. Let's do that. No peeking. Right. <laughs> what is that's deep. Wow. What is one memory you hope you never forget and why? Beastie. Yeah, of course I would pull some like deep question like this. You see memory? You see that? Crazy. Yeah. Hi. Wow. I mean, I have a whole life of memories. <laughs> <laughs> that's so hard. Um hmm. In the end of college, in my last semester, my grandfather got very sick. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, my grandfather is the love of my life. And I don't know what I will do and how I will deal with that day when it comes. Um, and he got very sick. He's always had like health issues throughout my life. But when I was in college, he, he was very sick and he got diagnosed with heart failure, mm. advanced heart failure. And he had to like, have a really crazy surgery and I was there every single day um and I was still in school so like between classes before classes after classes as long as it was within visiting hours I was there and I'll never forget that because a one of the most important people in my life was almost not there anymore but more importantly that was a time where I was able to give back all, like all of the love and care that he has like given me throughout mm. my whole life. I would like he was one of my fathers. I was able, even though I'm his granddaughter, I was able to be a mother. Mm. You know, to like I was able to be there for him in a way that um, you know, other people couldn't. The staff who work yeah. there, even my grandmother, you know, she's older too. Yeah. So that was a moment that was really important because even though it was one of the hardest moments I've ever been through in my life, um, being able to care for someone who you love so much and who's given you so much and who's done everything for you since you could walk since before you could walk being able to say thank you by not saying thank you but just by loving them so much and being there for them in like their hardest moment um that was something that I'll never forget because it taught me so much from just you know my capacity for things um to hospitals and how they prey on older people and you know people of color and immigrant communities and 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 mm -hmm. um so that was a moment that was really 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 uh life-changing wow jolly <laughs> i appreciate you thank you just for being so ease and so at peace you know, from <laughs> the energy that I've felt today. But again, you've been an amazing person to speak to. I appreciate just giving us like the rundown of your story, kind of how it all originated, some of the behind the scenes you probably never have shared before, seen before. Uh, but just thank you for being you and thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me.